Exodus chapter 18. We're going to look at, like we were saying, Brother Jimmy woke up sick this morning, so um, I was looking at this passage, working to fill in for him, and uh, I, I think this is a good, especially chapter 18. I know we're in the lesson, we're supposed to go into 19, we'll see how far we get, um, but this this 18 is a story of an event, and one of the things in the Bible, um, you know, that I've always, uh, that, that I've tried to mention, uh, that I've realized is, is the Bible doesn't give us every detail, you know, especially you go back to creation, you know, you think about this world coming into existence, you know, wouldn't the scientists and everyone else love to have tons and tons of detail, but where we get more detail is where things are more important. So on the cross, we get a lot of detail in the six hours that Jesus is on the cross where we don't get a lot of detail when he uh, put this world into existence. And, the, and you see that as you're going through the Bible. If you read through the Bible, you will see that uh, God doesn't give a whole bunch of uh, details where there aren't needed any. You know, when uh, uh, one of the things in, in, uh, in law school, they would... Uh, give you a test and they would give things they called red herrings. These were these extra details to try to throw you off uh, what was really important about, uh, you know, whatever situation that they had in the test. And the Bible doesn't do that. It doesn't give details. So anytime you see a detail, it's important. You know, it's something that sometimes I've had to stop and ask God and say, hey, I see this. I see this is here. I don't understand why this would be here. Lord, can you help me with this? Can you show me? And sometimes you got to stop and think about it. But this is a visit from, so Moses, um, he's got the children of Israel. They've come out. Remember, as we've gone through Sunday, these Sunday school lessons, he's come out of Egypt. They've crossed over the Red Sea. <coughs> They're in this uh, wilderness area. And, you know, this is it kind of in the middle of where God, Moses is getting more instructions from the Lord. So Moses is leading the people and he gets a visit from his father-in-law Jethro. So this visit, you know, in this two-day visit that uh, we see that's described in chapter 8, you should think about uh, in the Old Testament, this is a 27-verse chapter and it's covering a two-day event. So that should automatically show you, you know, there's a whole lot that happened between chapter 17 and 18 and a whole lot that happened from 18 to 19. But then there's a two day thing that God is calling out. So it's something that we should notice and think about, hey, we don't know everything that happened in Moses's life. We don't know everything that happened with the children of Israel. So if God is pointing uh, is taking time in the scripture or pages in the scripture to describe it. There's something here. Uh, but as I dug deeper, so let's let's look at it. Uh, Exodus chapter 18 uh, says this in verse 1, When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after uh, he had sent her back, and her two sons, which the name of one was Gershom, and he said, I have been an alien in a strange land, and the, other, the name of the other was Eliezer, for the God of my father said he was mine help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses in the wilderness, and he encamped at the mount 
of God. Uh, so if you see right here, uh, right, one of the things that, that you know, kind of got my attention at first is, remember, Moses, he was, uh, he was called by God. Uh, he was in Midian. That's where he found his wife. Uh, they saw the burning bush. God said, hey, I'm going to lead you back to Egypt uh, after being 40 years uh, tending the sheep and everything else. You're going to go back to Egypt. You're going to go before Pharaoh. You're going to tell him to let my people go. Uh, and Pharaoh's going to say, no, I'm going to harden his heart. Then we're going to go through the plagues. And then the people are going to be led out of Egypt. So during this time, and maybe it was during the plagues, Moses sent his wife and two kids back to Midian. That's what we see right here in the beginning. We get that detail that not only is his father-in-law visiting, his whole family is visiting. And one thing that I noticed right off the bat is uh, I don't think that's a good thing. And, and you'll notice in this chapter, it doesn't really say one way or another. It doesn't. It just kind of tells the story. Uh, it doesn't really tell us one way or another whether things are good or bad. But I think right off the bat, we see something that's not good. This is. I don't believe this is a good thing that he did. You know, separating uh, his family, sending them back. You know, letting his wife deal with it. Uh, I, I realize that there are periods of time in our lives where maybe. Uh, you, you know, maybe the man or the wife, someone's got to go do something and we can't help that. Uh, I, that's not what I'm talking about. But I have seen instances where a man is saying, hey, I've been called by God to go do something and then just totally abandons his family. That, that's not godly. You know, that is not, uh, you know, God has called him uh, to be the father uh, of his household and the leader of his people. And what's the hard part is juggling that. It's not easy. It's not easy to juggle multiple responsibilities, you know, being a husband, a father, different things, whatever responsibilities you have. That's not easy. But here's the thing. A lot of these things seem impossible. And especially if you would have talked to Moses, he would have said this seems impossible. How can I both lead all these people and lead my family and do this and do that and deal with Pharaoh? With man, things are impossible. But aren't you glad with God all things are possible? I'm glad we can go to God and we can ask for help and we can say, God, there's not enough time, there's not enough energy, there's not enough patience, whatever it is, and God can supply those needs. But too many times we try to act uh, on our own on our own energy and what we have ourselves, especially, you know, I think sometimes as men we tend to do that. But God can help in every way. But listen, he's not going to help you if you're no... You don't call on him and ask. So we see right off the bat a, a kind of a strange thing going on there. But there, there's this family reunion. Uh, you know, verse 7, And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and he did obsessance uh, and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare, and came, and they came to the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and unto the Egyptians for Israel's sake. And all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done unto Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. So we see right off the bat, Moses has respect for his father-in-law. He respects him. Uh, you know, we see that he kisses him. Uh, and as they, they come, they meet together. And he is telling him everything that God has done. And that's a good thing. You know, so we, we were hard on Moses uh, a few verses ago, but this is a good thing. And I'll tell you what, this is not easy to do. Remember, he's a priest of Midian, uh, so probably a priest of some other 
uh, you know, some other God or something. We don't know, but likely some other God. And, and he's meeting him. And, and this would have been a hard conversation a lot of times, wouldn't it? It's, when you're talking to someone who's lost, especially we know those lost people that are really deep in something, you know, like, uh, uh, you, you know, something in the occult or some false religion or something like that, they're really deep in it. It's not easy to have a conversation about the Lord, is it? And right off the bat, Instead of saying, how was your trip? How's the weather, right? How's the, they didn't have, I don't think they had the sports back then, but that's what we would do today. I, haven't you seen this team or that team or whatever? Instead of that, he's saying, hey, this is what the Lord's done. This is how we got here. We didn't get here on our own. The Lord brought us here. We would have never gotten out of Egypt. We'd still be there today. We'd still be in bondage. Were it for the Lord and his power got us out of the hand of the Egyptians. And not only that, as we were uh, leaving, Pharaoh changed his mind and sent his chariots. And then, uh, so we're, uh, we've got all our, our people, including our women and children and animals and everything else. And we're going slower than the chariots can go, right? And then we get to the Red Sea and we're blocked. We got the Egyptians on that side, the Red Sea on this side. It looked like all hope was gone, but God put a wall in between them and us. And then he opened up the Red Sea and we walked across on dry land. He said, the Lord did that, right? I didn't do that, right? The Lord did that. We walked all the way across. And then when we got to the other side, uh, God lifted that wall and they started Pharaoh to Pharaoh's army starts to cross into the Red Sea to chase after him. And then God brings the water over them uh, and they drown in the water and we're rejoicing on the other side. The Lord did that. And that's a lot of times what I need help with. So we get into these situations and it's hard. It's hard to talk about. And, and it's sad because up here, I feel like it's easy. But then sometimes when it's one-on-one, -on -one, especially somebody you've known for a long time, that you know that they're uh, knee-deep in some false belief, it's hard. Or they've lived a hard life. It's, it's hard sometimes to share it, but we've got to do that. He told them all that had done and how the Lord delivered them. We need to do the same thing. Look at verse 9, the result. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Look at this. Verse 11. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for the thing therein they dealt proudly, he was above them. Do you see that? We see a man uh, that had, like I said, he's probably a priest of other, of other gods, a false religion. And, and after Moses tells him the truth, and see, they would have known Egypt. They, they would have known how powerful Egypt was. They would have known, and this story would have spread, uh, but who knows what version of the story they would have heard. But Moses is telling him the true story. It was the Lord that did that. And now it's changing his entire mind. And see, that's the thing. If you can get through the hard conversation, if you can get through giving someone the truth about the Lord, you never know what the other end is like. Because you, you could go into the conversation. Moses could have said, you know what? I, I don't feel like telling my father-in-law these things. He's a priest of Midian. Uh, he's just going to argue with me. He's not going to listen to me. He's going to object. He's going to be mad and go back home. I don't want that. But now look what he's saying. Now I know. 
I didn't know that yesterday. But now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. What a blessing. But again, like I said, this is the thing I have to remind myself. If I want to get to this point, you've got to give them the truth. And we've got to do that through the Lord. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses, Moses' father-in-law before God. And, uh, and now this is the next day. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the, to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning into even? And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come to me unto me to inquire of God, and when they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them known the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. So the next day, uh, you know, he, so the day before, they're greeting, they're catching up. Uh, he's telling about what the Lord has done. Uh, they, they eat together. Uh, and now the next day, Moses is back to work. He's sitting on the throne. Uh, he's judging these matters. So you can imagine there's this line of people, uh, you know, with all kinds of questions uh, about God. You know, all kinds of things. Now, can you imagine if we had to do that today? Imagine if you had to wait uh, and we had, you had to get in a, a long line because you didn't have a Bible, right? You didn't have access to God like we do today. And you had to wait in line to get to Moses and then bring your petition to him, bring your question to him, bring your whatever it was. If he needed to judge between two parties, he did all of those things and he did it from morning unto evening. And then his father-in-law watched him all day and said, and told him at the end of the day, what you're doing is not good. This is not a good thing. Verse 18, thou wilt surely wear away both you and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel and God shall be with thee. Be thou for these people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way uh, wherein they must walk, and what they must do. Moreover, uh, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and the place over them uh, be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifties. Uh, and we'll stop there for a second. So he says, hey, what you're doing it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. And basically he's saying, hey, in verse 18, you are going to wear out. You're going to burn out if you do this day after day from morning to dark. It's too heavy for you. And he gives them this counsel. He gives them this idea. And he says, hey, you need to teach others to judge with you. And the smaller matters, let them judge it and bring the bigger matters to you. And that way, and I think I didn't read verse 22. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee. But every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself. And they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure. And all this people shall go to their place in peace. Now, like I said before, the visit from the father-in-law and and the him Moses sending away his family prior to 
uh, everything happening with the coming out, of Egypt, uh, coming out of Egypt and everything else, I don't think that was a good thing. I think the way he treats his father-in-law is a good thing. But then you get to this part. Is this a good thing? Because the chapter doesn't tell us. The Bible doesn't tell us. And in fact, I have seen where people are kind of split on this. On one hand, they're saying, hey, what's his father-in-law saying? It's not good for Moses to carry the entire burden of all the people on his shoulders by himself. You're going to burn out. You can't keep going. You can't keep up this pace. You can't keep going the way you're going. But then I was looking at someone else that said, on the other hand, God called Moses to lead the people. God instructed Moses face to face. God was the one that told him what to do and and put him in this authority and blessed him and everything else. God's not the one that told him to do this. This was another man telling him to do this. And I thought, you know what? There are a lot of spots in the Bible where things are clear. You read something, it tells you to do something, and you need to do it. It tells you not to do something, you don't need to do it. It explains some things clearly. Then there are points like this in the Bible where I think sometimes you can read it real quick and say, you know what, I agree with the father-in-law, that sounds good, and then go along with it. Moses, in the last couple verses, is going to do what he said to do. And then sometimes you wonder, but if you stop and think about it, is this really the right thing? Is this really a good thing? You know, the Bible, uh, it, it is uh, written to a way a, a young child can understand it. I think a third grade level can understand the Bible. Can They can read it and, and figure things out. Now, some of the words are a little older. You'd have to look them up, but we have to do the same thing. Uh, but it's not hard. But there are some passages that God wants us, I believe, to stop and think. And I think this is a great example right here. Because if you read through it real fast, you say, well, that sounds great. Here we go. But let me throw this out for you. The same group, remember when Jesus was arrested. One of the, He goes before uh, the high priest. Then he goes before the Sanhedrin. That's the 70 uh, you know, Jewish leaders. And they uh, put him on trial that night when they shouldn't have. And then, of course, they say he's guilty of blasphemy. And then they bring him to Pilate, the Roman government governor, so he can be crucified. That same Sanhedrin came from this. So then it makes you wonder, is this really what God wanted? Now, I don't see where God uh, immediately punishes him for doing this. And I don't see where God says that's a great idea. But you know, a lot of times that happens in our life too. We make decisions and it's God. It's God a lot of times is not, he's not just waiting for us to mess up or waiting for this side or that side. He's just, we're living our lives. And, and, and uh, I believe Moses a lot of times is doing a great job at leading the people. But I think we get to here and we can see, I think both ways. I think it's a balance right here. There's no way one man can handle everything. Now, definitely can't do it without God. But God's, but Moses is leading, I can't remember if it was a million or two million people by this point. It was a lot of people. So having others to help him 
is a good idea. But on the other hand, this is not a substitute for trusting God. Because that's what some have done. Well, let's just put a whole bunch of leadership in place. And then as long as we have a leadership, that's our authority. That's where we can uh, draw strength from. And then they've gotten away from God. How many of you seen do that? Right? They have a great leadership structure. They've got the government there. They've got everything that they need, but they've gotten far away from God. And I think that's one of the, one of the issues as well. And again, This is not something you're just going to get from just casually reading through it quickly. This is something you have to stop and think about. So it's something that you have to ask yourself sometimes. How many decisions am I making real quick? That sounds good and might even have good results. But am I really going to God about it? Am I really going to God's word about it? I think it's an important thing. So he says, 24, so Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel, made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons. The hard causes they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart and he went his way unto his own land. So again, the Bible's not saying either way. It's not saying either way. Here's a remarkable wife when I was reading that Sunday school bus, and just like we see time and time again, you know, up to date, uh, like you were saying, there's all these different special councils and different branches of uh, individuals, you know, whether they be elected or they're hired, and people going to them instead of God. Yeah. Yeah, and I've seen uh, when it comes to churches too, uh, you know, the pastor is the head of the church. You know, the Bible says that. And then the pastor is under Jesus Christ. Uh, the problem is it's, it's very easy to let things like pride, you know, and, um, you know, I'm the head. You know, it's easy for me to go that route and, and just say, here's what we need to do and here's what I think is right, and get away from the Bible. That's why um, I have seen sometimes, you know, uh, again, I think it's a balance. On one hand, you get churches that are totally independent, where there's the pastor answers to nobody. You know, they just, and sometimes that can get out of line. They can get in a wrong direction. And then, again, what you've seen, the other end, the other extreme, is it's so rigidly structured that everything just comes down from above and people don't even think about it. They just say, oh, here's, you know, uh, here's the latest watchtower. Here's what we believe today. Yeah. You know, I mean, you get, 
you get both extremes. Um, and and I, I like how, and, and again, I, we're not perfectly set up, but I know our, we've got 11 churches that come together at a conference. Now we govern ourselves, each church does, but each of the pastors, we work together, we talk together, and if one of us gets out of line, you know, I, it, if I get out of line, if I'm going in a wrong direction, I want some to, someone to come to me, yeah. you know. Uh, but sometimes if, uh, if, a, if a pastor's leading a church in the wrong direction, everyone's kind of going in that direction. I want someone from the outside to come in, you know, another pastor to say, hey, you know, I, I think you're going the wrong direction. I think that's a good thing, you know. Um, but again, you know, we, uh, the Bible doesn't, in the New Testament, doesn't have this huge structure for the church, you know, this huge government structure type thing. Um, but again, I, th- I think a lot of things are a balance. And I think we see that as well in this chapter. And we get in trouble whenever we go way too, to one extreme or to the other. The extremes are easy. You ever notice that? It's real easy. You know, to go to all the way one direction, all the way another direction. But a lot of times God wants us to be more in the middle. You know, he wants, uh, like with Moses in this situation right here, he doesn't want Moses to do it all by himself. But he also doesn't want him to rely on men. Right? He wants him to rely on God. I think the same thing with us. Anyone else this morning? It's a good, good chapter, and maybe even one to stop and reread and think about later today or or, or next week. You know, just to kind of look at it and think about it for yourself, because uh, I think some like this, it's, it's good. Uh, and this is one of the things when you're teaching, it, it you know, you get a chapter like this, and you can read it real quick and say. How in the world am I going to fill a whole spot talking about this? How am I going to fill, you know, 25 minutes talking about it? Well, if you're like me, it's easy to talk for a long time. But you think about, you know, how are we going to really dig into this? And I think that's a good thing sometimes. You're getting into it and saying, hey, uh, you know, what is really here? Why is, again, why is God using 27 verses to talk about these two days? When I read it real quick, it doesn't seem like it's, like it really needs that much, right? We could get it done in three, right? He came to visit, you know, they had a good time. He showed them what to do, maybe four verses. And he said, hey, you need help. Four verses. No, it's 27. And that's something I want you to watch for as you're going through the Bible, as you're reading it every day, is look for things like that. And sometimes we have to slow down and say, hey, I just read this. God, help me here. And then sometimes God will, here's his help, stop and think about it, right? The Selah from the Psalms, stop and think about it. Amen. All right. Go ahead. good thing about the Lord is you can 
you can, because that's wasted time is what that is. A lot of energy, a lot of movement, a lot of picking things up, setting up camp, taking down camp, you know, finding water, doing all that stuff that they did. But isn't it awesome that, you know, even though you could waste decades and decades of your life, the Lord loves us so much that he'll give you a new start today, right? He'll give you a new start today, and he doesn't hold all that over your head. He gives you a new start today, and then from today, you can live a different life. Now, our minds keep reminding us of the past. Our minds, even after we're saved, our minds will keep going back to, I wish I didn't waste all that time, right? I w- what's, what do most people say? I wish I would have got saved sooner. That's what you hear over and over again. I wish I would have gotten saved years before I did. But aren't you glad the Lord is not saying that? That's in our mind. And then what we have to remind the devil is, yes, those ti- that time was wasted. But guess what? As a Christian person, when we stand before Jesus Christ, we're not answering for the time before we were saved. We're answering for the time after. What did we do with it? And even here's what makes it even better. If you're saved and you've wasted time as a Christian, you can still come back to him today. And he'll stay, still take you back. What's he say? Pick up that cross where you put it down and go on and serve the Lord. Now again, I can't, I don't have a magic potion to get that regret out of your mind. Other than get into the word and look at how God says, I'll take you back, right? Over and over again. What's he say? I'll take you back. Come unto me, right? I'll put you right back where I want you. I'll dust you off. I'll clean you up. You got dirty, right? The prodigal son, he was in the hog pit. He was stinking and everything else. And when he came to father's house, father didn't say, I told you so. He ran to him and embraced him. That's our God. That's our God. But it's a balance, Because then that doesn't give us a license then to say, you know what, I'm going to waste all the time. No. No, what we need to do is if we've wasted time and he's given us another chance, praise God. I don't want to waste any more. I want to be found serving him. But that's our God. He's, He's an awesome God.